Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hello, Emily. How are you today? Hello, Michelle. (laughs) I am feeling fabulous today. Oh, fantastic. Highly energized. I even went for a run today. Get out of town. I know. That's a big deal for me. I have known you (laughs) a couple years and I've never heard you say you went for a run. Exactly. That's how energized and motivated I am right now. Wow. Isn't that great? That is is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I just made room for an extra glass of wine. Watch out. Well, I will all need you to uh, drink that for me then, you know, because uh, I did not do a run today. <laughs> but did you? You did a run? Well, I did get my new custom orthotics for my shoes. Ooh. So um, that was nice to feel like everything's aligned and in balance and my hips haven't hurt me at all today. Oh, well, good. So, That's great. Um, you know, eventually I will run again. Yeah. <laughs> at least now I can actually flee from somebody. And right. I won't be in too much pain. I mean, I'll be in pain, but I won't be like doubled over pain from the mm. plantar fasciitis, heel spur, and being out of shape. Right. Now right. I'll just be out of shape and, you know, r- <laughs> running on adrenaline. But, well, good for you, Emily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here we are, another day in the studio, which I've been looking forward to this because we are inviting back a returning guest. I know. We had such a fun conversation with Dr. Becky Lynn. Mm-hmm. Episode four of season right. one, yeah. and it was it's one of our most popular episodes, and we left with like lots of still like unanswered questions of our own, mm-hmm. and we're like, we need to have her come back. We were talking about women's sexual health back then, and you know, there's that's not you can't just take an hour for that oh, or an hour goodness, and fifteen no. minutes. You know, I mean, there's there are industries about women's sexual health, right? The volumes right. of it. So and we learned so much, and I'm. Still, that great takeaway that if you don't use it, you lose it is still like one of those things that I tell everybody. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. 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 So how, how, how have you been, Dr. Becky? Good. Very good. Very busy. Um, everything's, you know, going along. Just, you know, stamping out lack, lackluster sex lights one at a time. <laughs> so it's all good. That's superhero, Becky. Yeah, that that's here. right. Yeah. So Absolutely. good. Good. Well, should we uh, stick to our tradition here and and share our wine? our wine? Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm very excited to try this one. This is uh, I, this. By the way, Michelle, you will be glad to know is in our sweet spot price wise. You. you have been pushing it these last <laughs> several weeks, and I'm well, like, I'm I making up know. for it here because okay. this is under ten dollars. This is a fa- fantastic value wine. Mm, absolutely, it's from Portugal. Uh, It's a 2016. It's called Tago, a tribute to King Tago, I don't know, Ricci, something. It's a red wine. It's a blend of several grapes, of which I'm not going to try and pronounce. Are they all uh, Portuguese grapes? They are all Portuguese grapes, yes. So, um, yeah, I'm actually not familiar with many of the the grapes that are here, and so it'll be a brand new experience for for me. Um, I just open this. You saw me just minutes ago open this. So um, already I'm finding it to be quite 
spectacular. I don't think it really, it's one of those that you could just crack open and drink. You know, I, I definitely get on the nose, blueberry, blackberry, little mulberry. I find this to have some really nice structure, firm tannins on the palate, the same kinds of fruits, but on that, that the nose is picking up with a little bit of black pepper. What are you, what are you picking up? Uh, well, I think that this is a fantastic, uh, bottle of wine. And then when you told me it was under $10, it became even more fantastic. (laughs) Right. Um, almost like when you go to a thrift shop Mm -hmm. and you end up walking out with a designer handbag or mm-hmm. or shirt or things like that and you're like I can't believe it I got this for like you know oh yeah three dollars five dollars or you know ten or whatever so not saying that this is like goodwill wine or thrift shop wine but it's one of those where you're gonna get you're getting uh, a twenty five dollar bottle at under yeah. under ten oh I I can appreciate I love those I love those um treasure finds by right, the way yeah. you know in fact yeah. I'm wearing a treasure find right now um that was like a oh gosh I don't know one of those consignment shops in Washington DC that I mm-hmm. love so much and I mean this was this was fr- tags original tags all still on it never been worn you know I I got it for a steal it's a it was made by Dolce Gabbana I think oh, wow. I got it for wow. under $20 you know yep. so it was yep. like yes So I'm a huge value shopper like that, Mm -hmm. and um, I buy so many things from the vault. Have you guys ever been to the vault on Brentwood? Such Mm -hmm. a great place. It is like designer, like like Gucci. Mm -hmm. Have a pair of Gucci shoes from there. I would never really buy Gucci shoes full price. Mm -hmm. They're just out of my price range, but they have so many lovely things there. It's my favorite place. I I do love that place. I've had some, I've found some real treasures there also. I've, I've gotten like a pair of Gucci boots as well. um, Patent leather, just really perfect condition. Mew Mew shoes. And, you know, like I got a blouse once for $20 that was also Mew Mew. Like just, you know, it's, yeah, it's a great resource. So it's definitely a great place to go to in St. Louis. Um, it is. Your... I wish they had men's clothes. Yeah, they don't have men's clothes, mm-hmm. but they have kid clothes. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. And you can definitely feel comfortable drinking this wine while you're walking around in that store. Absolutely. Searching for those bargains as well. Yeah. So, yeah oh, absolutely. Definitely a good one. I ha- don't have a panty yet for it, but it's going to mm-hmm. be something that mm-hmm. you're... It surprises you that you found this expensive pair of panties at a, at a, uh, well, yeah, at affordable, but but not used, not a, not at Goodwill, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, not used, but not used. Previously <laughs> worn panties, <laughs> yeah. The PWP, yeah. <laughs> no, mm. it's good. Yeah, but I do delicious. like it. I do yeah. like it. Yeah. And, um, so, what has all transpired since we last spoke with you? Any any um, new exciting yeah, conversations or yes. So um, I would say yes. Um, I think since I've spoken with you guys last, I have recently published a paper um, looking at the women's perceptions of the effects of cannabis on the sexual experience. Oh, interesting. So um, what I found was my patients would come to me and they would be like, you know, I have problems with orgasm or I have no desire, but 
don't tell anybody this, doctor, but when I smoke pot, <laughs> it's all better. So Really? Yeah. So, so that precipitated you wanting to do a research on yes. it and, and write this paper. Yeah. So I was like, well, I wonder if there's any medical data to support mm-hmm. that. And so I went to the medical literature, not much, a lot of research studies on like, you know, rats mating and so similar, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) not quite the same. Um, And very, you know, because marijuana has been illegal, there's there's really nothing where you can give somebody marijuana and see what happens. But there were a lot of questionnaires. So in my office, we designed a questionnaire and asked all comers who came through the doors, um, you know, what they thought about if they smoked marijuana. And it was preceded by several other questions for Mm -hmm. us. It wasn't just like, hey, what do you think about marijuana? And And I'm going to judge you. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Your all name and confidential. Number, and we'll have the police showing up at your door. <laughs> all and where do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, we asked women what they thought it did for their desire, the overall sexual experience, um, orgasm, and lubrication, and pain. Mm-hmm. And we found that women reported that it improved desire, improved the overall experience, improved the majority of women, mm-hmm. improved orgasm, didn't really change lubrication, and decreased pain. Really? The lubrication mm-hmm. piece surprises me the most, just because, like, you know, you think, of like, any, I mean, as whenever I've tried marijuana, it's right. like, I, I'm immediately dehydrated, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, you would think then maybe it would dry you up. Right, exactly. Exactly. But they really didn't report that. It was really Amazing. not, you know, some reported a little more, some reported a little less, just not a... An, it was a significant big, factor. Huh? Right, right. Interesting. So, and then the women who did smoke marijuana before sex, when you compared them to women who didn't smoke marijuana at all, they were twice as likely to have reported an overall satisfactory orgasm in their regular old sex life in general. So it doesn't mean that the marijuana... It, you know, definitely mm-hmm. caused the improved orgasm. It was an association, but it was pretty fascinating. Which so, is why you call it perception versus right, reality. Right, because right. they're not actually measuring the orgasm right. without it versus with, for It's example. not objective. And there's, right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, so. that is really amazing. It's now, is there um, differences versus, like, if somebody smokes it versus all of the various, you know, edibles, edibles and yeah. yeah. So there's really no data on that at all. The majority of women in my study were smokers, like mm-hmm. 99, right. I mean, you know, the majority, there were very, very few edibles, but there's really not much data on, you know, would it be better to smoke it? Would it be better for sex to eat it? Mm-hmm. We just don't know. Right. The only thing I would say about edibles is it's much harder con- to control the timing, like the peak high. Oh, sure. So, you know, if if you are considering, and not that I'm recommending marijuana, mm-hmm. but if you are considering using marijuana before sex, you know, the edible, you just don't know how long it's going to last. Mm-hmm. Or so, when it's going to hit you. Or when it's going to hit you. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and instead of smoking it, the healthier, well, healthier, the <laughs> the healthier way to use it would be to vape because smoke oh. is not good for your lungs. So, um, and it's, it's a shorter, it takes effect much more quickly. So then you can sort of control the situation yeah. rather than eight hours later. Okay, honey, mm-hmm. well, come um, home. The, the, <laughs> I, I can, I can honestly say that there was one time I had done an edible mm-hmm. and when I was dating, um, this one person, he will remain nameless. Um, 
and I that we you know we were having sex and I remember ha- I remember this orgasm very very clearly because it was almost like like you're having the orgasm then sort of like I stopped and I'm in my brain I'm like no I'm inside my orgasm oh. <laughs> you know? and it was like and and it was really it was different than anything else but yeah. it was definitely uh, fun um, and then it felt like it mo- like everything sort of like radiated from from like the heart like you know the like et's heart you know wow. yeah, yeah and then like it just literally exploded out of me of course and then i start, started laughing and giggling and you know he I mean, he didn't know that i had had an edible <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it was he like just that. thought he was really good i was like <laughs> i was like that was really cool you know yeah. and um yeah so i've i've had i've experienced that and i can see where um where the perception was mm-hmm. that because of the edible mm-hmm. um that that's why the orgasm was like it was. Imagine now taking that information and pairing it with Laura DiCarlo's blended orgasm. The OSA (laughs) massager. Yes, yes. Holy smokes, watch out. (laughs) Yeah, because it did. It it felt like I had like, you know, I I was like inside of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew it was coming and then I'm up there and I'm like, so it's like sort of stopped. Like time stopped and I was inside mm-hmm. yeah. the orgasm. That's what they say marijuana does. It slows the perception of time. So, you know, there's a variety of theories as to why it enhances sexual experiences, but one of them is that, you know, it slows time and it also, you know, in it increases your sensory ability in a way like you, you everything is enhanced all your senses so right right my sister has said to me one time she's like gosh michelle you should really try having sex while you're high because you're always in control <laughs> it would probably do you really well if you like just took that edge off and so mm. i reported back to her it was several years after she had said that when i had that experience i'm like you you're so right mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah i should do that more often um but, th- but then we broke up so whatever okay <laughs> Yeah. Not yeah. not immediately after that, you know. Right. It was a little bit, um, yeah. It was delayed. But yeah, I, I with everything going on with like the medical marijuana mm-hmm. and um and then like the states legalizing recreational. Right. I mean, are you finding today's um um culture within the medical profession or even in your office or, you know, with your patients that you can be more open about discussing it versus well, I can't can't hear you right now. You can't tell me these things. Right. So I'm pretty open about discussing it. I mean, medical marijuana is now legal. It's not, you you can't buy it today, but it's here in Missouri. So I feel pretty open about discussing it with my patients. And also, you know, you, I, when I discuss it with my patients, there's that caveat that we don't have a lot of scientific research apart from the rats. Yeah. And so what is the long-term effect? We, there's a lot we don't know. So I'm not against it. I, you know, it's, it's a tool in the toolbox, but I always go through the risks, benefits, side effects, what we know and what we don't know. And there's a lot that we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, especially because it's legal in all of Canada, mm-hmm. that we'll have double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trials where we actually get some data. What I found in the medical community, I find it really interesting. I find it sort of like you're either against it and you're really against (laughs) Mm -hmm. it or you're like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of want to learn more about that. So some physicians are like, that's horrible. It's a gateway drug. And, you know, I would never do that. And other ones are like, oh, I'm going to go to that lecture on medical marijuana and learn about it. Mm -hmm. And, and. 
I've done a couple of those, like there have been a couple of places, Grand Rounds around town, um, where I've gone to learn about medical marijuana. Um, and it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. I'm an OBGYN. Yeah. So like I have gynecology, vagina, you know, on my mind, like sex mm-hmm. and these I've been learning about, you know, the role of cannabis and endocannabinoids in cancer pain and nausea vomiting mm-hmm. and seizures and just in, in all these other, you know, circumstances that I find really interesting. So could so, you describe what an endocannaboid yes. endocannabinoid? Endocannabinoid. So so that's your body's natural um Cannabis, in a way, it's your body's natural. It's like a it's like a protein floating around, and it binds to a receptor called the um, the cannabinoid receptor. There's a CB1 and a CB2, and it makes the cell do something, right? Mm-hmm. So it either like lessens pain or it calms down excitatory neuron release, like with a seizure. So you have a natural endocannabinoid system, and it's everywhere and it's uh, there's a lot of those endocannabinoid receptors in like the uterus the ovaries like yeah the gyn system i had no idea is this what is this different from like you know having endorphins flood through your body or is that all kind of related so it's it's different but it's similar in that before we studied like the poppy opiate well i guess no sorry that's that's a wrong thing that's not endorphins Wrong. Okay, Let me back yeah. up. Yeah, Edit yeah, that out. Sure. <laughs> but um, but it's it, it is a little bit similar. It's just that endorphins do something different. Okay. So the endocannabinoid system is really about maintaining homeostasis, meaning like when things get overexcited, it calms it down. Mm-hmm. When things are really inflamed and there's inflammatory reaction, it calms it down. So like anything that gets out of sync, it brings you back to your normal resting state. Interesting. So this is why I find it so interesting. And so you were learning about all kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. And so with the the medical marijuana and CBD oil, I don't yep. know, does that um, help to um, act as a catalyst to our own already within our bodies? So, or is it, you know... Or can um, it also do the opposite, right? Help to... Well, it can stop a... A seizure, seizure. Mm-hmm. right? So can it can it also pull back on pain? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's the thought that mm-hmm. that it's it's not that it it's sort of like it's kind of giving somebody that extra um, what's the word I'm looking for that that extra protein to do the good things that we want our bodies to okay. do. Okay. So yeah, you, you can give people cannabinoids, mm-hmm. and they bind to the same receptors that the things in our own body. I would love to find something that could help with cramps. (laughs) So there is some, like, I mean, there's not a whole bunch of literature, but Mm -hmm. I have read a couple things about endometriosis and really bad cramps Mm -hmm. and the use of CBD or THC to help with cramps. There's just not a lot of data. That's the problem. Because it's been illegal. It's been illegal. (laughs) And it's sort of a shame that it's been illegal. I personally don't think that it's a gateway drug. Um, I feel like it's been around for thousands of years and used as a medicine for thousands of years. And now, you know, I guess in like the 1970s when it became, you know, illegal, I think that's when it became illegal. Don't quote me on that. Sure. But like it just became this negative connotation, sort of hippie, pot smoking, mm-hmm. bad, gateway drug, druggy, when really there are benefits to it. And the other thing I think is that well, that we have to keep in mind when we talk about medical marijuana is that when you're using medical marijuana, it's not 
to get stoned. Mm -hmm. It's to use the lowest dose possible to treat your symptoms. And so I think everybody goes, oh, medical marijuana, everyone's going to walk around stoned. Well, if you can fix your pain on a really low dose, maybe you won't be. Without using an opioid. Right. You know, we're we're having a glass of wine here not to get drunk. Right. Right. Exactly. Same thing. Oh, we're not? Oh, I better slow down. Well, I have to drive home. (laughs) Uber. Yeah, Yeah. I know, Uber. well, that's very that's fascinating. I think that's exciting. I'm glad that you are, uh, you know, champion, champ, being a champion for women and uh, as as a tool, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, with uh, with you know, trying to like enjoy your sex life, and mm-hmm. this is a way for you to do it, and mm-hmm. um, um, and it's a lot of fun. But I I guess I want to ask you one other question. You know, I I'm a I'm a mom, and I have a few I have a few children three of them and when you say you don't think it's a gateway drug mm-hmm. um you know why is it so much more why does it appear to be when younger kids or teenagers or early, young adults are smoking pot on a regular basis why does that appear to be something that interferes with mm-hmm. moving forward so yes that's my question. I see what you're saying. So a couple things that I didn't mention that I think is really important. I am not advocating marijuana for teenagers. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Okay. They still have developing brains. Mm-hmm. Like I totally, I think this is more to be, you know, when I talk about medical marijuana, not somebody who's getting stoned every day to get stoned to like maybe, you know, handle, I don't know, anxiety. <laughs> escapism, or right? Escapism. Right. I mean, it's a really, it's a bigger, bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I think it can be used responsibly, just Mm -hmm. like alcohol can be used responsibly. Um, But I certainly do not advocate that adolescents, I mean, Mm -hmm. because they have developing brains and we just don't know. Well, and I guess the question is, I remember, you know, when I was in my 20s having, you know, smoking some pot with friends in college or whatever and thinking, oh, this is like not doing anything for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, not I was not impressed. But then when I was like in my early 40s, one time I was out and we had smoked some and I was like, holy cow, this is what they've been talking about Mm -hmm. all these years. And I, the next morning I was like, that was fantastic. And I'm so glad I had that when I was 40. Right. Because I know now what that's like and I still am, I'm mature enough and I can like, you know, still go to my job and I'm not spending my whole life trying to recreate that. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder when you're younger. Right. If you, like, if I had had that high when I was 20, how Mm. different would my life have been? Right. Like you might have wanted to keep doing that over trying and over to, yeah, again. Try, yeah. Oh, I got to replicate that. I got to do that right, again. Right. Yeah. My my experiences with marijuana are so inconsistent. Like I, I've had so many experiences where I get filled with um, paranoia oh, yeah. or mm-hmm. self doubt, or re- yep. I have a really negative experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I've had a couple of experiences that were grand, but. I also find that I have to be just in a really good headspace right. to be even able to consider it because I I do have issues with right. it kind of taking me down. It's not for everybody mm-hmm. and it can certainly give you paranoia. And I think, you know, your experience on marijuana, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a big smoker of marijuana at all myself, which is kind of funny. But, um, you know, I think it depends on your environment. Mm-hmm. It depends on how much you smoke, mm-hmm. how strong it is, how you're feeling that day. So I think there's just so many factors that play a role. Right. 
Absolutely. And when you're an older person like myself, you you can approach things with a little more maturity than when Mm -hmm. you're a younger person. You're not going to put all those factors together. It's like, oh, that's why I was so terrible last night or why I reacted that way because of all these stressors I'm going through. Right. Um, You know, so so it's so it isn't I mean, it's not a gateway drug, but it definitely needs to be just like with alcohol needs to be uh, approached from a responsible point of view mm-hmm. and if you can't be responsible with it then you're not doing yourself any favors right right yep mm-hmm. absolutely well good yep. I'm glad we're all on and, and you would say you know oh is it a gateway drug but I feel like there are certain circumstances and certain people who are going to move towards drugs whether it's marijuana, whether it's heroin or something else and so is it the marijuana that's the gateway drug or is it that person in a certain environment. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. And that's a hard question to answer. Yes. Because everybody's, it's different. I think you you can't even, you know, you can't even take a really good sampling and come up with a, a trend. Oh, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed people at age, you know, 22, this is what they're going to do. Right. You know, you just can't. Um, but it's... Uh, it's still exciting because we have come so far. We have come well, so far. And I think with the fact that things are, are you know, being legalized, becoming more accessible um, because there's medical grade marijuana available, that actually means that the product that's coming to the market is better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, you can have a better handle on what it is that you're getting. Right. So that I actually don't know, and I probably need to look this up, you know, because now the marijuana industry is regulated. But um, so when you go to buy your medical marijuana, like in Colorado or wherever it's legal now, I don't know. I know that a lot of places will make the medical marijuana be analyzed for like contaminants, like pesticides yeah. or toxins or bad things that shouldn't be in there. But I don't know if they look at like because really when you when you get like marijuana, you get a, it's a percentage that's THC and a percentage that's CBD. It's oh, usually okay. it's a that. mix of a lot of cannabinoids and there's a whole bunch of other ones in there, but there's a certain ratio. And I think in the drug culture, like it's become so much more what you smoke or what you get now is so much more THC. So I wonder with medical marijuana and in Missouri, if you're going to be able to know the ratio between THC and CBT, because one thing I did learn, yeah. which I found that was really interesting, is that CBD can potentiate the effects of THC, the good effects, and CBD can also lower the amount of a high that you feel. So that's good for like medical marijuana if you're using it for pain or inflammation. You don't want to, you don't like want to be so totally high. Yeah. So um, there's you know a ratio of CBD to THC in it. So, so I don't know. So CBD is is the one that doesn't make you feel as loopy. Is yes, that right? Right. So it's the higher not hallucinogenic the THC, or psychoactive. Okay, got yes. it. Okay. Yep. All right. I and would so, venture to guess that on my orgasm, there's probably more TH. <laughs> probably. I'm just probably, guessing on that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing about CBD that I read, I'm just full of like all these random facts, not putting them all no, together. No, that's great. Yeah. But um, is that... When you like right now, you can buy CBD just anywhere. Like, you know, some of the yeah. big uh, pharmacies now carry CBD this and CBD that. Oh my gosh, everything. restaurants are putting CBD yeah. oil in cocktails now. Every, everywhere. That, yeah. cons- I'm, that concerns me. I don't yeah. know when I'm like, okay, you're going to just drop some of that in my well. I'm I know. Like, how, like, how's it going to make me feel? They're like, well, it just makes you feel chill. I'm like, oh, okay. 
So a couple and that's things. an extra twelve dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just give me a double. <laughs> no. Another glass of Another wine, glass please. Of wine. Yeah. But with CBD, because it's not regulated, mm. they've done studies where they like look at several different CBD products, and then some have no CBD, some have THC. And so like there's just so that is a little bit concerning to me and everything that I've read, you know, they say, oh, we'll get your CBD from a reputable place. Well, what's a reputable place? How do you know what a reputable place is? Because I like I was saying that I was reading this article on CBD yesterday. It was in the New York Times magazine. I thought was fascinating. But I was like, how how do you know where to go to buy CBD? And I think you need to be really careful because I know by the I know of a, a person who uh, is an over the road truck driver, and he mm-hmm. was doing he, for years, and mm-hmm. he never smoked pot because you know he gets would get tested. You know you mm-hmm. can't you can't be doing any of that stuff. And he was yes. using the CBD oil and went in. And he came back positive, positive for THC. Mm-hmm. Lost his job, <gasps> and he was oh like, "My gosh!" He's like, "Wait, I, I." And they said, you know, on the website for the company, there's no THC in this at all. And I'm like, "Well, obviously, that sounds like yeah. a lawsuit." Yeah, potential lawsuit. And, yeah, you know, but um, but uh, so I think you need to. I don't know if there's like home testing. Maybe that's the next. I don't thing. know. That's a fair I know. Point. There you go. Yeah. You know, a, yeah. like a little strip. Wow, this is a you know sixty forty or. But what you know, do you? Right? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's what like, what do you do when you? Well, if you can pee on it. a piece of paper and it tells you if you're pregnant, I think they could probably have like a dip that would tell you I'm what sure. the, <laughs> what the level of uh, mm-hmm. of THC to CBD is in it. But you need to be careful. And if yeah. you're, in, I think if you're in a in a, in a an occupation that you still have to you know, take drug tests, oh, right. mm-hmm. I would avoid all of it. Yeah. So that speaking is so of true. levels, our wine levels are running really low. Why don't okay. we take a brief break, refresh, and come right back? Absolutely. Sounds good. We're back. Yeah, we stepped outside, had a couple tokes, and we're back. You know, <laughs> had a little edibles. We'll see how this thing goes now. We may be a little slower, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, our pleasure is going to be on. That's right. Just going to enunciate <laughs> everything, and it'll time will stand still for all of our mm-hmm. listeners too. Um, well, on the break, we were uh, talking with Dr. Becky Lynn about. And I, I saw it on Instagram, your post, that you did an interview with Dan Savage. I did. Savage Love. Yeah. The Savage Love podcast. Yes. How did that come about? They found me on the internet. <laughs> oh I cannot believe it. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, I, they must have. Yeah. Must have. I know that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. I was like, is this for real when I got the You're email? Like call, right? <gasps> yeah. I, I was like, I'm looking at the email address. Is this for real? But it was. What'd they say? Um, so it was, I got an email from like his assistant or scheduler person, Nancy, and she said, you know, we'd like to invite you, Dan would like to interview on the Savage Love cast, and would you be interested? <laughs> F yeah. yeah. You know? I'm like, of course yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. So um, so I did it, and he just asked me. It was very nice. He just asked me about my research project. and Was it this one the, on percep- women's perception? Yes. of? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It so was the, the marijuana one the marijuana. that caught his attention. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, I did it, and I it was awesome. Was it like a whole episode or was it a segment? It was a segment. Okay. Yeah, it was maybe like 10-minute segment. 
Wow. Yeah. It was Was it a face to face like Zoom call? Or no, it was um, just a phone. A, a phone thing. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Dan Savage, like mm-hmm. a huge fan. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, I like I've seen him on Bill Maher. I'm a huge fan of Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, if you guys watch Bill yeah, Maher. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. He talks all about cannabis and yeah. marijuana. Yeah. So I told he's on Dan, HBO. He can. Yeah. Yeah. He's on <laughs> I know. I know. So I told Dan Savage, I'm like, well, you know, if Bill Maher wants to interview me, I'm game but of course nobody's called me yet, so. yeah. well I'm sure Bill will listen to this episode because yeah. he's probably a huge fan yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. probably a huge fan of the our podcast and if he hasn't heard we need to send him a copy yeah I think, that's okay. I think he's a we'll tag great him guy somehow yeah. let's tag him yeah we'll tag Savage <laughs> oh my um, I, I have a, a an interesting Savage love I would say takeaway because mm-hmm. I used to read the the Savage love advice columns um, mm-hmm. all the time and uh and one of the my most favorite, and I you I I've I have been you know expounded as if this was my own advice, mm-hmm. but I, normally I do say this is what Dan Savage said. But there was a like a sixteen year old young man had written in, and he, a young gay man had written in, and he was like, "What do I need to do to like, you know, start dating a guy? You know, I'm out, and I went, how do I how do I get you know a boyfriend?" And mm-hmm. and Dan's response was. Uh, you need to quit worrying about being a boyfriend and worry about becoming interesting so you can get laid when you're 20. Uh, And I thought that was like so perfect, perfect, especially when you are, you know, younger and it's like all this stuff is going on around you. And if you, you know, if you're too concerned at age 14, 15, 16, and I say that with, you know, air quotes too concerned because, you know, I, I know right. how we were when we were 14, 15, 16 and everybody was talking about sex. And you just wanted to have sex. But um, how much better it is if because he was like, people will want to talk to you. Right. If you're interesting, they'll want to get to know you and they'll want to talk to you. And then that will lead to sex. Right. And that goes for, you know, men everybody. and women. Goes for everybody. Yeah. What excellent advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have thought, I, that wouldn't have been my response, but I think that's an excellent response. And I, I've used it with my kids and then, you know, with um, other, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers and stuff. When yeah. they, If they've uh, asked or, you know, lamented on their situation, it's like just nobody, nobody wants a boring fuck. <laughs> but when you're 15 and 16, you don't know any better. Right. But she or he's going to know when mm-hmm. you're 20, 21. If you can't have any conversation too, right. you know, then you're just going to be a, you know, a boring fuck one time mm-hmm. and move on. So that's that's one of my um favorite takeaways. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. But he's he's definitely a, a treasure and he did the he started the um the initiative It's Okay. Mhm. For for young for for young gay right. LGBTQ mm-hmm. and like for them to do their testimony that that it'll be okay right mm-hmm. it'll be okay right which and was huge yeah he's a good role model yeah and he talks about you know in his in his podcast he talks about his own life and how he was I mean he's just so you know I know I, I want to say the word real even though obviously it's not real because he doesn't tell us everything but I mean I. I He's, He's open. pretty open mm-hmm. about, oops, sorry, falling <laughs> off the chair. That's what happens. <laughs> Too much wine. <laughs> um, you know, about himself, which I also find interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I like to listen and hear, just yeah. I find it interesting. Well, we'll have He's to obviously make an sure. interesting guy. Yeah. We'll have to make sure and find that episode that you were um, 
in on. conversation with yep. him and make sure to include a link to that. That would be fun. Yeah. Oh, I can send you the link. Fantastic. Even better. Yes. Yes. Even yeah. better. Or, or I could be like, it. well, I'm just, I'll find it eventually because, you know, you just, you just love talking, uh, listening to him anyway. So... So I, I'm actually no. I I was like my brain was going. It must be that break. No, <laughs> my brain is going off in another direction. So <laughs> if we're no, go I, ahead. Okay, so I'm curious with um you know every just I'm let's go a little political for a moment sure. here with with everything that's transpired in the last week mm-hmm. with mm. um the Missouri the new laws that are coming down um. What are women saying to you as they come into your office? And is this becoming a topic that women are concerned about when they come and visit you? And mm-hmm. it, what so, are you seeing happening there? So I haven't really had anybody in my office ask me about it. And I think partially that's because my patient population is a little bit older. Um, and so, no, you know, I see a lot of menopausal women a lot of 40s. I mean, I do see 20 and 30-year-olds, but mm-hmm. usually it's, you know, for sexual problem or just contraception or annual exam. But not one person has asked me about it in my office. Not really? one that or is... brought it up or anything. That's of your patients. Of my patients, okay. yeah. Okay. Now, it's a huge topic of conversation amongst me and my friends, yeah. especially other physicians. Um, but not one patient has brought it up. Okay. Wow. Yep. Well, it's 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 it hasn't even been a week yet. I so, know. Well, and it may know. not be something that they feel comfortable like talking with, right? Um, and in your and in your experience, you know, over all of the the practices you've had in the different states that you've been mm-hmm. in, um, when a woman has told you about an abortion, mm-hmm. whether she had had it or was contemplating it, I'm I'm going to put words in your mouth, and you can mm-hmm. tell me if this is wrong. Sure. It's an incredibly personal experience. Oh, absolutely. And there, and some people they won't mention it, and so you'll is it find out that later. You can that, tell? No, no, you nope, can't. Can't okay. tell at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it is personal. I mean, it's a big decision for anybody. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely um, a frustrating time um, to see the. The, the activism of trying to take away rights, rights and women's rights and the right. right to privacy and the right to choose what you want to do with your body. Um, and then somebody, I was I had read that there was a statement even about, I think it was like it was a Georgia or an Al- Alabama, was even going to criminalize oh, yeah. the residents that would go to like a, a neighboring state to have their to abortion. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said, do we, they said, you know, gambling is illegal in Hawaii. Right. Do they criminalize all the Hawaiian citizens who go to Las Vegas to gamble? Right. Well, then why are we criminalizing a woman Right. To, to go to another state. Right. Because and then somebody says you don't own your citizenry. Right. So criminalizing somebody to go to another state, even like even when people like go to Colorado to get their pot. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Now they could get you if you were like having it FedExed from Colorado. Right. Because before it was you know, legal in Missouri or decriminalized in Missouri. But I I think that to me that is a a, a complete uh um example right there that it's not about abortion it's about controlling women oh god yeah i mean what was the there's so many just 
when you see the comments made by the the men who are making these decisions, it's 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 oh the consensual rape in the state. Yeah, of Missouri. I mean, just it it just it is so frustrating to me because it seems like they're well they're working on a lack of knowledge, and it's clear that they're working on they're making these decisions with a hate against women. I mean, there's there's what was it the the, the guy in Alabama that when he was asked, so what are you going to do with all the embryos that... With in vitro fertilization right, what, right, still that, that are, He said, as long as it's... It doesn't matter because it's not in a woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Hmm. Right. So it only matters if it's been implanted in the woman. <laughs> Just, Which is, again, know. another example that it's, um, uh, it's right. all about controlling women. And um, really just, I mean, and just... Yeah, in fact, um, uh, Seth Meyers did mm-hmm. a wonderful um, monologue really? on this issue, um, gosh, maybe Thursday or Friday of last week, like mm-hmm. after, after, it was after Missouri followed Alabama right. that he did an incredible hmm. monologue and I would encourage people to take a listen to it because, you know, I'm not, I don't have the facts of everybody's names and he had it right. nailed down and it was, it was fascinating and frustrating, mm-hmm. you know? Well, don't you think that most of this is just like, um, you know what, sometimes I will use the word just, that's, a, that's, that's not accurate. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is it's about sex. And when you have good sex and you enjoy sex, you want to have more sex. Um, and these men who are making these laws... Um, aren't having sex? <laughs> obviously aren't having good sex. Um, or they don't think good sex is possible. And, uh, you know, they if you probably, probably don't think that women um, can actually have an orgasm either. Mm-hmm. Or enjoy sex, you know. If you're not you're not actually actively trying to have children, then why are you having sex? So mm-hmm. again, we've talked about this before on the show, you know, mm-hmm. about the shame mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a meme going around. I don't know. I posted on my Instagram where it's like, you know, a woman. What's the male version of the word slut? Not really. There, there yeah, isn't there Don, like Juan. Stud, Don, Don Juan. Don yeah. Juan. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's such a double standard, and I really hate that. Mm-hmm. I see that with my patients who feel kind of guilty or, you know, they feel ashamed. They shouldn't talk about this. Well, that's ridiculous. Absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Sex is, should be pleasurable and intimate for both parties. Right, because there's— at least two parties having it. <laughs> exactly. It's not all about the man's right. pleasure. Right. Like, where did that come from? The best way to ensure repeat business is to do a good job the first time. Exactly. exactly. And to listen to, like, your partner. And if if she or he is not having a good time, well, then, you know, let's figure out what that is. Right. As opposed to, like, shutting down and the avoiding sex and, mm-hmm. you know, why is this not working? And, you know, it's got to be something all about me. But I know um, some uh, a wise friend of mine said one time, she said, you know, for women, sex is an outward expression of how they feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't feel valued valued and loved, it's harder for you to, you know, release, right? release yes. you know, and let go. Um, and and for men, right. I don't, I can't speak for men. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually, I really like that sentence. I'm going to have to adopt it as my own mm-hmm. and tell sure. my patients sure. that because it's, I think that 
that sums it up. So women come in and see me and they have low sex drive. But then once you get to the meat of the relationship, it's not a good relationship. So why would you have drive, you know? And so I think sometimes people don't realize that and it's a shame. When um, we were talking with Laura DiCarlo, she had mentioned that, you know, in her studies that there were a lot of a lot of women, older women that she had talked to that never had an orgasm in oh, their yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Do you experience that with women that come to visit you? Yes. You, yes. So that's something that I treat. And I think a lot of that has to do, sometimes women just don't know what an orgasm is. They don't know where the clitoris is. Um, nobody teaches you that. Mm-hmm. Nobody teaches it's you how to self-stimulate. It's not something that you sit around and no. like, you know, okay, everybody, let's uh, let's sit here in this circle and we'll all do this together. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So actually, you know, when people come to me and they have never been able to orgasm, I usually start with masturbation, getting to know your own body and learning to love your own body. And, and like we said, there's no, you know, in your seventh grade health class, nobody mm-hmm. talks about the clitoris. It's all about how to not get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So there is a website. And, it's all on and, us to not yeah, get pregnant. I know. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. And <laughs> masturbation is one of those negative words. It, it is, is something that is considered um, shameful, taboo. Like, yes. You know. Yeah. And one thing I'll tell you is that, you know, men and masturbation, it's not quite shameful and taboo at all. It's no, like, no, oh, no, that's what they do. It's a given. They're, you know, spanking, no wink, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but women—it's just a whole different situation and double standard. Mm-hmm. But um, so, what I've done for my patients, there's this website called OMG Yes. I've mm-hmm. seen that. Have you seen that? Yeah. It's great. Okay. And so it is a video designed to help people improve their orgasms, and it's different women masturbating, showing the different techniques that they use. And I think it's fantastic because not just for women, but for men. Oh, right. <laughs> because nobody teaches you. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Teaches you and everybody has these preconceived notions about how things should be done. Well, most of you them know? are because of a por- the porn industry, right? That's, right. that's their exposure mm-hmm. to what sex looks like, sounds yes. like, right? You know, and should be, and should be the yeah. order of things that it should mm-hmm. happen. And I, know, I think how women, long it should last, right? <laughs> True. And I think that that has also taught women to respond in a way similar to that of what the porn mm-hmm. industry is saying. So you're going ooh ooh ah ah, even though you're like okay. <laughs> kind of bored right now you know you're like right you know <laughs> okay the one thing i've seen on like on porn things i'm like i don't know where they the guys think this is good is when they take their hand and they're like they're like beat i know clitoris. i like, know what is, what i agree is that about i'm like that looks painful <laughs> why why and then you see sometimes like girls are like well, they'll beat it too i'm like why are you okay you your i i'll i can chime in on this a little okay <laughs> okay <laughs> So I think if you have been having sex for many hours Mm -hmm. and you've been stimulating the clitoris for a very long time, then, you know, you start to go through waves where you're a little desensitized. Mm -hmm. Like that can just kind of reinvigorate things. Mm. Okay, well, okay. Yeah. And, I and guess I, I, really I just <laughs> have never had the luxury of having sex over many, many hours. And, you know, that's I personally all. don't want to have sex over many, many hours. <laughs> but I'd like you need a big bottle of water. Longer than three minutes is good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, well, and, it, and really everybody's different in what they right, like. Like right. the whole like banging thing's not appealing to me, mm-hmm. but it might be appealing to somebody else. Sure. Yeah. Right. But I guess I guess I just I, have your ask yourself why am I why am I doing this to myself? Am I doing this to right. myself because that's what I saw on the on the TV and that's 
what mm-hmm. I what I think I'm supposed to be doing, right. or does it actually bring me pleasure? Right, right. And if it brings you pleasure, it's then great question. Then bang, bang away. Bang away. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the other thing I think about porn that I think is important is, you know, sometimes I talk to women about using porn, incorporating it into their sex play, or using it to sort of, you know, retrain your brain to have sexual thoughts. And I think every woman mm. is always like, oh. Not everyone, but some women are like, oh, porn. And you think about like that hardcore porn that's really designed in general for men. But I think with the availability of porn now, there's a lot of things out there. Mm -hmm. And if you just go right to Pornhub, you're going to maybe not find what works for you. So I think women need to take the time to search through a whole bunch of everything to find what works for them. Because not everything is that, you know. Right. The first thing you see on Pornhub. So, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And when we were talking with uh, Laura DiCarlo, and one of the really cool things about the that uh, some products that they're working on is a biometric, like a like a biofeedback on their on their product to be translated to help the virtual reality porn industry create actual porn designed for women. Oh, wow. Like based on like their body's reactions to what wow. they're seeing. You know, because she was Isn't like, you know, women porn. Oh, I have porn for women. Oh, oh, so it was girl on girl. You think that's what women want to yeah. see? Yeah. Why can't we see like, you know, a nice romantic <laughs> right, man right. that's you know. having a conversation <laughs> yeah. with us? Yeah. <laughs> having so a there, glass of wine. There is that. Um, I don't know if you've all heard of Erica Lust obviously a stage name Um, but she has um, I think it's called Cross Confessions like Mm. X Confessions and it's porn for women it's supposed to be um, what's the term Um, like soft porn no No. it's um, oh my gosh I can't remember the the, but it's like it's supposed to be an industry where nobody's a sex slave everybody who's there wants to be there Um, it costs money it's like fair trade kind of all consent oriented oh my gosh there's a name for it and I just is escaping (laughs) me right now no it's um (laughs) paraben free (laughs) gluten free (laughs) oh no oh it's gonna come to me Um, that's okay I can't remember but anyway you know it costs money so sometimes I refer my patients to this cross confessions and it costs money but basically what Erica Lust did is she took people you know wrote down their sexual fantasies women wrote down their mm. sexual fantasies and she made short films of it oh, that's, so that's they're wonderful. very like women centric so, is this, oh. this U- US based or is this Europe I think it's US based okay. I'm not 100% sure okay. But yeah. is it on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't no. seen it on Netflix. I mean, that would be fabulous. <laughs> yeah, but Skinamax. Skinamax. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I had another question for sure. you when it talks, you know, um, when women like lose interest in sex. And I remember several years ago, I was talking with a woman who was about 15 years older than me then so she was probably approaching 60 and she just married mat- I'm single her husband had died and and she just matter of factly said i'm just i'm just not interested in it mm-hmm. and i was like how in the world could you not be interested in wanting to have sex anymore and but now that i'm like five years later i'm like oh that that seems to be a lot of work right now yeah and it's not something that i mean not to disappoint all <laughs> 20 of our male listeners but um I feel like I feel like the change from being somebody in my 20s or 30s like oh yeah let's just go have we can have we're gonna have sex this or you know fuck Huge change. fuck fuck versus mm-hmm. now it's more like 
okay, well, if I'm going to have sex, well, it's going to have to really mean something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is natural and part of that is evolutionary. Okay. So a lot of sex drive has to do with testosterone Mm -hmm. and your testosterone level peaks in your late 20s and then it's just downhill from there. um, Estrogen sort of potentiates testosterone. Mm -hmm. And so when you go through menopause and you're not making estrogen and you don't have testosterone, that sex drive goes down. And I personally think a lot of how we act sexually is evolutionary in that when you're young and you're fertile, you have great sex drive. And as you get older and you can't really reproduce anymore, that sex drive goes away. So it kind of makes sense. But as a society, we've decided that we're going to be Okay, this is ridiculous. Sorry, I keep falling off the chair. <laughs> um, that we're going to very passionate about your topic. Yeah, I am yeah. passionate. Yeah, um, but like as a society, as a society, we're, we've decided that we're going to be in monogamous relationships because really, if you got a new boyfriend, oh, I, your sex drive would come back. Yeah, yeah. But we've chosen monogamous relationships are the safety of the family unit, and so with that, we've sort of you know given up, especially as you age, that we accept that sex drive goes down. But the issue is. The issue is that it becomes, it can become, not always, but it might become a problem in the relationship. And so that becomes a huge deal. And those are the patients that I see. For the woman who didn't have a partner and really didn't care about it, I don't think it's a problem. You know, if you like don't miss it, then, you know, whatever. So, but then you say if you don't use it, you lose it. This see, is now true. I've, got, I've got all this stress mm-hmm. now. So don't <laughs> stress because you can get things back. So the <laughs> vagina. <laughs> so if you go through the menopause and you don't have hormones around, the vaginal tissue gets thin and dry and there's less blood flow and less mm-hmm. nerves going to it. But I've definitely seen in my practice women who come back who are 75 or 80 and they're like, I haven't had sex in 20 years and now I want to. And all you need to do is replace those vaginal hormones. You don't have to give them, you know, a pill or a patch or increase the risk for stroke or breast cancer or anything. You just give them local vaginal hormones. And I call it the fountain of youth for the vagina. Like, I really believe that. It restores the thickness of the vagina, the lubrication, the elasticity. And then some of those women, you know, will use dilators kind of over time mm. to kind of dilate back up, but you can okay. you can restore the function. So all is not lost, Michelle. So, <laughs> so would you think that women who are maybe perimenopausal mm-hmm. should be even, I mean, that seems like it could be very like interesting. Like a preventative kind of thing? Right, right, to keep things going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do find it interesting that sometimes we don't think to replace vaginal estrogen or to replace the hormones in the vagina until someone comes in with symptoms. Right. Five years after their last period and all of a sudden they're like so dry. Yeah, sandpaper. Like today Mm -hmm. somebody described it as a thousand little paper cuts. Oh, yeah. So So, Could they be more descriptive because I'm not quite sure what they're talking about. (laughs) Oh, oh. It's funny your guys' reaction because my direction like, yeah, I've heard that before. (laughs) But, um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like we don't, as OBGYNs, think to replace until there's a problem. Right. But really, after that last period, you might as well just give the vaginal hormones back. Mm-hmm. And I also think about vaginal hormones as we talk a lot about painful sex. And a lot of the vaginal hormones are FDA approved and indicated for painful sex due to menopause. But some women have gone through menopause and it's not terribly painful. It's just not pleasurable anymore. It feels like a void. Yeah. And so I feel like we forget sometimes that those local vaginal hormones like estrogen, estrogen, testosterone, 
um, DHEA can improve your sex life, not just take away pain. They have that mm-hmm. added benefit yeah. of making it feel not more just pleasurable. like, oh, I don't really feel anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's so that it's benefit some, too. So it's, it's directly related to the nerve stimulation. Mm-hmm. Well, that the nerve growth and blood flow oh, and all yeah. that. Because wow. things just kind of, you know. Okay, I have some questions for you. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I know that a, um, uh, a female is born with Lots and lots of eggs, right? How, mm-hmm. Like, like, is it how many eggs approximately? Is it like millions? So right? I want to say that, like, so you have the maximum amount of eggs when you're still in your mother's uterus. Okay, and then from there on out, they steadily go down. And I do want to they... say like sixteen million, but don't quote me on that. Okay, so like, uh, and if you only have three children, you are slacking, right? <laughs> I mean, like, think. I mean, so according to the abortion people, I'm right? always kind of, you know, I'm I'm probably not understanding this correctly, but mm-hmm. okay, so like, when you're ovulating, that's releasing an egg, and then right. after you ovulate, then you know you have your period, which is the shedding of the uterine wall, right? The uterine lining. Uterine mm-hmm. lining. Okay, so. That's just one egg. What happens right? to the rest? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens is that's a really good question, actually. So each month, your brain makes hormones. Your pituitary; those hormones travel to your ovaries. They get your ovaries to grow a group of follicles, which are the like the shell with the uh-huh. egg in it. Mm-hmm. Several follicles each month grow. One wins. So whichever gets to like two centimeters first, a little egg pops out, and then the rest of them shrivel up and die. Oh. And then it happens every month, every month, oh, every month. Yeah. It's a survival of the fittest. Yeah. Wow. And if you're, you know, if you're going to have twins, then two little then, eggs pop out. Right. Oh, my gosh. At least that's one way to have so twins. So why is it, too, that, like, and I I might be mistaken, but it's every other month, right? Your ovaries switch on and no. off. No. I always I mean, no. That like, everybody thinks, oh, it goes yeah. this one, that that's one. That's right. No. Me. Right. Nah, no, that's really. not it. No. But it could I be def- either side. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, isn't that fascinating? So I definitely. Well, it was a man that told me that. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I guess I've always kind of attributed, like, oh, yeah, must be my left ovary this time. Well, you know? sometimes Discomfort. you can feel pain. Yeah. I mean, people have it's called middle schmerz, where like when you release an egg, they'll feel pain. Oh, I definitely. So you might do. feel, you know, yeah. either so you might know when you're ovulating. Middle schmerz. Yeah. Middle schmerz. It's a, I don't it's a know, terrible German name. Word. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be, you know, like the voyage or something. You know? It sounds like a little Jewish mom, Mil- Mildred Schmerz. Yeah, yeah. From the, Time from the to report to the office. Yeah. Your egg is ready. Your egg is ready. Oh, it's too late. You didn't pick up your egg. We're going to have to give it away. It's going it, to shrivel it, up and die. It, it hangs out now. there for like. A week, right? Well, it travels down the fallopian tube, and it takes like a week. So, like right. when you release an egg, it ta- if if a sperm you know made it through, and the sperm and the egg combined, it implants at like day seven. Okay, yeah. So, like it takes a week to implant. I see. So when you're starting to run low on eggs, then mm-hmm. that's when you start going into menopause. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. menopause is you don't have any eggs anymore. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is there <laughs> any kind of like egg count test <laughs> that yes. can be done? There are. There are. Yeah. You can check like, um, it, you know, for people having infertility problems or who are mm-hmm. older, you know, they're like we used to do, we would check a day three estradiol. I haven't done this in a while. Um 
and an FSH. But now you can check AMH. It's the anti-mullerian hormone, and it tells you your ovarian reserve. Mm. Like, like they they use it like an infertility. Oh, is this person going to do well with Clomid or you know IVF? Are they going to do well mm. with ovarian stimulation? or Are they not? That's mm. the extent of what so, I can tell you. <laughs> so, girls who started their period young, does that mm-hmm. mean they're likely to go into perimenopause and menopause earlier, or is it maybe they just have that many more eggs? Or yeah, no, they with- just have. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it has to do. I mean, because there's so many factors that go into when you go through menopause. It has to do with your genetics. Mm. It has to do with when your mom went through menopause. It has to do with your race. Like there's so many wow. factors. So I thought you had cancer and went through well, chemotherapy. Well, that, tr- that right. too. Yeah, chemo will kind of do an early Boost menopause that. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many factors. But smokers go through menopause earlier. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Well, thank goodness. But don't I pick have up smoking. Never been a smoker. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to smoke anything, you have to smoke the. Smoke weed. Smoke weed. Yeah, because it's going to make my sex better. So, you know. (laughs) You won't even realize it. I lower your anxiety and help you sleep and take away your pain. (laughs) But we're not advocating it if it's not legal in your state. Right. Um, But, you know, be sure to avail yourself of, of whatever helps you. Yeah. And we'll wait for the scientific data. It'll come. Right. 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 Absolutely. Wow. Well, this has been another wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And and on one of our breaks, we already kind of talked about what our next conversation might look like. So there's always so much. I will definitely come back. Oh, so much fun. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much once again. And we look forward to the next conversation. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. 